Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Padolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Jason Padolan back here with another episode of Up My Hockey. Today we're talking with Jared Bednar, the head coach of the first place Colorado Avalanche. Now, they're also first place in the entire NHL, not just the Western Conference. And with those types of points and those types of numbers comes a lot of pressure. Uh, some would call it also opportunity. And in today's conversation, we talk about both. Uh, how results are so important and how many are pointing to the Colorado Avalanche of not only being the representative to come out of the West, but also uh, most likely to raise the Stanley Cup at the end of the season. Now, how do you balance those types of um, expectations uh, with the idea of trying to get better and, uh, and not allowing the results to take the place of the process? Um, Jared off obviously is a master at this. You know, he, he's been, he's been captaining this ship for the last five years now, and he's seen the growth of the group and, and the, uh, the evolution of, of this group. And, and they are operating at a very high level. Uh, we talk about standards. Uh, we talk about keeping those standards and being consistent to those standards, regardless of where you are, whether it's a Tuesday or whether it's a fr- uh, Saturday night game or whether it's two days before the playoffs or, or whether it's in September uh, and delivering on those because they know that they have a bigger picture. They know that what they're chasing and they know what they all want and they know that in order for that to happen, they have to be very, very diligent to the culture required to get there. Now, we cover that. We cover uh, the pieces of the puzzle that were added here at the deadline. We cover uh, some of their stars. Be, be crazy not to talk about Kale McCarr and Nathan McKimmon. Um, so we talk about a lot of good stuff here in this 35-minute interview. Uh, Jared Benner is one of my favorite people in the NHL. Uh, I love everything that he's doing there. His coaching staff as well with Nolan Pratt, uh, guys that I've played with. Uh, they're great humans. Uh, that whole group, that whole organization is doing great things. So I'm definitely a, a fan of the Colorado Avalanche and also of Jared. So really appreciate it of Jared taking the time here today to talk Colorado Avalanche hockey, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, here we are. Uh, Bedsy, back again for round two with me. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, what an amazing time of year this is, and what a squad you got, and thanks for, thanks for taking the time here today. Yeah, thanks for getting me back on. Glad to do it. Hey, man, no problem. Um, I thought I'd be a fool not to reach out again and be like, hey, let's shoot the shit because uh, you got the first place team in the NHL, man. And like trade deadline just happened. And I know you got a new contract this year and like crazy exciting times. Um, what is it like to be the captain of that ship right now? It's fun. Yeah. I mean, winning's fun, right? So, uh, you know, I always say there's only there's winning and there's misery. And I think that. Uh, you know, this season's been a lot of fun. We've been pretty consistent at what we do. We've been racking up wins. Um, we faced some adversity and came through it with guys being injured and whatnot. And I think uh, early in the year, we had a lot of man games lost. We've just kind of started getting our team back together and healthy. 
we have a couple big injuries now with Landis Gog and um, uh, Gerard out of the lineup. Some top guys both up front and on the back end, but we just added a bunch of pieces at the deadline, which is exciting. So now just getting all those uh, pieces to mesh and find the right uh, fit and lines and combinations and and who they can play against and you know matchups and that sort of thing. It's it's exciting for me as a coach. We got we have more depth than we've had all year. We've been running pretty skinny on the line up because of um, you know salary cap restraints but now things open up and we've added some nice pieces and 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 filled some needs that we feel like that we um that we had to fill uh you know for going down the stretch and into the playoffs i definitely want to talk about the additions and even maybe tyson a little bit on the on the subtraction yeah. uh but just even talking first of all about the success and and saying you know best record of the nhl i mean uh potentially some records on the way like, what does even a loss feel like now? Like, you I mean you've you had successful teams obviously last season and, and in years past, but it, it's something about this season just does feel different. Like, and how does that group approach a loss? Like, what does that even mean to these guys this year? Yeah, we get frustrated when we lose because uh, you know what? We have a really good team. I think everyone in our room knows it, and we've been uh, consistent in, in finding ways to win games even when we're not at our best. So last night we played Vancouver, and we couldn't put the puck in the net, and, and we ended up we made a couple uh, mistakes, had a couple turnovers in the third period, and they got two on us. We answered back with a power play goal, and, and we couldn't get the equalizer. And it was frustrating, you know, because I think, you know, guys, we've, we've – what we've done here over the past, you know, five years is really try and raise the bar on our performance and our consistently le- consistency level. Um, what we're getting on the offensive side of things, what we're giving up on the defensive side. So now it's it's funny because even now we'll win a game and, and we'll know that we didn't play that well. And you can see the guys are kind of frustrated and, and uh, not happy with it, which I think is a real good place to be when you're trying to chase a cup, you know, when you're, when you're considered a contender and, you know, stakes are high, you have to have high standards and you just got to keep raising that bar because we, we thought we had a really good team last year and we didn't get the job done. So that's the reality of it. And now we're trying to better our performance from last year. And so far in regular season, we've been doing a good job of it. Yeah. I mean, you said a lot of awesome stuff there. I mean, I love that idea about standards and the commitment to them, right. And like the, the relentless approach, the consistency with them, because that, that really is the the tail of a of a high performance team, and you guys are showing that this year. And uh, and I'm sure from a first insider's view of it, like you've seen that bar get risen, right? And you've been a part of, of that raising of the bar. And I know your core group has been there too, and has really shown, um, you know, their diligence to that to that whole process as well. The thing that is is like to me is, and which is a challenging spot for you guys as a group, is this whole idea of like the results. Right. Because, you know, people have bestowed you as the favorite and it's almost like win or bust. Yet there's still a process involved. There's a lot of things that go into winning 16 games in a Stanley Cup. Like, how do you how at this point do you separate the fact of like Stanley Cup and just continually getting better? Well, I think you have to separate it. I mean, we know what the end goal is. We've talked in depth about it, especially early in the season where we're trying to go. And we talked about it on purposefully because we want to make sure that 
like when I'm hard on the guys that they're still accepting the coaching, when I'm, if I'm hard on our team, it's, it's, I explain my reasons for that. And, and because it's not, you know, we could play a Tuesday night game in Arizona and I don't like the way we play. Well, I'll be hard on our team afterwards. And, and, and they're hard on themselves because they're, they, they get the big picture. They know that it's about habits and commitment. And, um, you know, I, I'd rather play a really good hockey game from our team at this point um, that we feel like we did the things we're supposed to do. Habits were good. Our, our compete level was good. We executed well. We run into a hot goalie or something and lose the game. To be honest, I know it sounds crazy, especially in a results-driven business, but I'd rather play a game like that and lose than play poorly and win right now just because of where we're sitting in the standings. Because it's just like we want our guys doing the right thing all the time, they, and they're really working at it it comes from the leadership in our room like you said like they they set a high standard they hold guys accountable it's just sort of the growth of uh, and maturity of their leadership uh, over the time that I've been here they're all top players on our team and, and they expect other guys to be playing with the same type of commitment and they get frustrated uh, when they're not or when they're not at their best you know because they know that um, the more we are the, the better the habits that we have going into the playoffs so um, it, you have to separate the outside pressure because win or bust, that's the way I see it too. But, you know, there's going to be 16 really good teams in the playoffs. I mean, you can look at the East and say, I don't know who's winning the first round matchup between, you know, if it started today, Toronto and Tampa or Boston and, and Florida. I mean, all four of those teams are contenders for me. And we have the same thing on our side, you know. We may finish 15, 20 points ahead of someone. It means that we were more consistent throughout the course of the whole season. But you have to look at the last 10, 20 games and say, well, they're playing the – they have the exact same amount of wins over us as the last 20 games. Like, we are the essentially separated by small margins. And, and, um, and that's why we talk about the process a lot and really try to raise that standard. And our guys bought into it because they were disappointed last year. You know, we've lost three years in a row in the second round. Uh, first year, we probably weren't ready to win. Second year, we lost, you know, seven guys in one series to injuries, both goaltenders. And even if we had moved on, which would have been nice, we, you know, I don't know what our chances would have been like. Like, our lineup was getting thin, and, and it just is what it is. It's a it's a war of attrition. And, and, you know, last year was the disappointing one because the reason we lost is we just didn't play as, as well as we had played all year during that um, two weeks when we were playing Vegas. And our guys understand it, so now we're, we're moving on to make sure that we are playing our best, you know, come this year because it's going to be tough. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and I guess that's really the driving force of what's driving your 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 squad right now is because, you know, the separation for you guys is, is large right now. So you're really playing for each other and just playing to keep get better, you know. And I know that this is kind of the time of the season where you can be looking forward and be looking at when are the playoffs starting and looking at that cup. But, you know, having being short-sighted, I guess, in that sense is, is probably helpful right now just to keep the pedal to the metal. And and now you have these, these new players that, you like you said, you got to learn the chemistry there. And it's not just – you just don't plug guys in and all of a sudden it, it works. You know, we, we've both been on teams before and we know it's just not an automatic. So I know there's some things that have to have happen there as well. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up and I'm sure you saw it and I'm, you've probably been asked about it before, but old Daryl Sutter there with his comments about, uh, 
being a wildcard team in in the West and having to play you guys? Did, did you did you hear him? Did you hear him comment on that? I I did hear that. Yeah, I think I think Daryl's being um, you know he's he's pushing the the focus someplace else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's certainly a compliment. I mean, I think our guys have earned some compliments like that. There's no question. But you got to go play the games, and and we know that. You know, we could be facing a really, really good team in, in the wild card. And yeah. it's, I mean, th- that round will be tough. It'll be as tough as any other round we play. I think it's, it, it is what it is. You, you have to find a way to win against four different opponents. Thank, thankfully, you don't have to play 16. Four is tough enough. And, um, you know, our team's really trying to push to get over the hump and we're, we're, we're trying to do everything in our power to be ready for that time. You know, with yeah. the new guys coming in and we're, we've been experimenting even before that with, you know, breaking up our top line and moving Landis Gog to the second line with Kadri and seeing who can fit in up top and produce and still be able to check top players in case we're running into teams with two really deep lines. Um, in case a team check puts a checking line on the McKinnon line, then, then, then what can we do to sort of counter that? And so we're playing with all those things. We did a little bit last year. We have had some options um, this year. I think with some of the additions that we may have a few more options to be able to juggle our lines around so we can, you know, win matchups through, through all four lines. And, and uh, you know, we like our goaltending. We like our decor. Hopefully we're getting, you know, a couple of guys back here healthy and, and Gerard and, and Bo Byram is a guy that we've been waiting on. And, and he seems like he's getting close. So we've got more depth than we've had in the past. And, and now it'll just be sort of finding the right fit with, um, with with line combinations and matchups that we like and, and experiment with some things here down the stretch. Just take a short break from the episode with Jared Bedner to remind you that Up My Hockey is not just a podcast. Uh, you can watch the podcast if you prefer on YouTube. All the episodes are recorded and placed live there. Up My Hockey is also a parent Facebook support group. Uh, Up My Hockey parent group, it's called. It is a, a request only group, 1,500 families from across North America. Uh, you get to hear from me. You get to enjoy a community. Uh, you get some help and some assistance from other families who have been through it before on this journey called hockey. Uh, Up My Hockey is also a website, and it's also where I do my coaching. I have a peak performance hockey project, which is a mindset program, a four-week mindset program for hockey players that is getting amazing results. Uh, It is also where you can contact me to work with your team. Uh, That is what I am really all about, and that's why this podcast exists, because I want players to be their best. I want them to reach their goals. I want them to reach their dreams. Uh, And in doing that, um, this podcast allows me to talk about things that I feel are very important in that growth and in that evolution. Uh, for players who want to reach the highest level and want to get the most out of themselves and out of their potential. So that's www.upmyhockey.com. So yeah, uh, lots of places to follow the content here. I appreciate wherever you're listening today, um, but just realize there is other places. And I am currently actually actively trying to grow the the YouTube channel, which I haven't in the past. That's where I'll post the podcast Clips, the highlights, I I do a segment called Lessons from a Pro there where I will grab podcast clips or things that have happened in the NHL and I'll break them down in uh, in my my high-performance mindset coach style. And uh, I believe I give a lot of value there. So if you want to check me out on YouTube, that would be great. Now back to the episode with Jared Bednar. Let's talk about the the addition. you got a Turi Lekkonen, you got uh, Cogliano, Sturm, and Manson. Um, 
really, you I mean, Joe went out and was able to do some things with prospects of some of the players and draft picks that you didn't really know. Um, but one of them you do know, and that was Tyson Yost, who'd been with you for a long time. Um, just in that small little sample, because I did watch the game last night against uh, Vancouver, and, and Nico Sturm coming through the neutral zone there with the give and go and the, and the flip over the stick and passes back door. Like, I haven't seen Nico play very much, but I was, like, really surprised at that. I mean, that was speed and that was skill and he's 6'3 and 210 pounds. Like, what was what was that swap all about? I mean, what what left the Colorado Avalanche on that day and, and what came in in that trade? Well, a great teammate left, an awesome guy that was just committed to our team and and, and just trying to get better every day and improve his game to, to help our team win. Like, Tyson was is an, is an unbelievable teammate. He is a hard-working guy and a great guy in our room, off the ice, in the community. And, um, you know, I think what that trade was about, for me, it's um, recognizing that we had a tough time against Vegas um, with their size and power forwards, like trying to come to the net all the time and hunt down rebounds. They're a high shooting team, high volume shooting team, and they were just trying to get to the net all, all the time. And so I felt like, and Joe felt like, you know, we can use some size um, back there on the back end and guys playing low. So centermen, um, just use some more, uh, uh, sturdiness to our lineup, you know, and Tyson's not a big guy. Well, Sturmey, you know, we have a lot of firepower and guys that can score. Obviously, we want everyone to be able to chip in offensively, but we tri- we tried to address some needs on the defensive side of things that, that can help push us over the top. So adding a guy like Sturm at center, who's who's won like defensive forward of the year two years in college, he's come into the NHL, done the same thing. Face-offs, we've had trouble with face-offs at times with our penalty kill, and at times just playing low in our zone and getting the puck stopped and, and not losing body position on big, strong guys that want to come to the net and that's what Sturmy does that's his that's his bread and butter and I feel like his offense is, is still can grow in, in the league you know so he's playing on our third line right now and and doing all those things we just talked about and then we had Manson on the back end it's it's almost the exact same thing on the back end just a hard a guy that's hard to play against has some sandpapers to his game he's a decent puck mover but he but he makes it tough on you it's it's tough to get to the net on him uh, both off the rush and, and D-zone coverage and penalty kill. And he's an experienced guy and wants to win and take a crack at it. And all the guys that we added are really happy to be here, but they all kind of fit the same mold. You know, Leckin, a great, great 200-foot player. He's committed to the defensive side of the game, to the checking aspect of the game, but he can chip in offensively. So we've seen a couple of players on our roster to sort of grow in that mold in, in Val Machushkin, and now he's one of the best two-way forwards in the game for me. And um, I mean, if Lekkinen can can do some of the things that, that Val does, I, mean, I think it's a great add. And Cogliano, same thing. You know, veteran guy, hard to play against, really detailed in the it, with his habits and in the structure of the game. Penalty killer, experienced guy, hard in battles. Like the, that's the type of thing that we felt like we needed in our bottom six. And Joe went and addressed all of it. So now it's up to us to go and get the job done. Yeah, it's so exciting, and and I just love the fact that you know. Even though I trumpet what you just said, like that 200-foot player, it's actually been what I've been talking about and, and, and compete. Like I've been talking about the value of that, you know, to a team anywhere, whether you're a junior player or minor hockey player or an NHL player. And and who does the Colorado Avalanche, the best team in the NHL, bring in? They bring in those guys, those pieces. 
right? Those pieces that are valuable and maybe don't get the headlines all the time, right? Or don't get in the three-star selections all the time, but you know about these guys. Joe knows about these guys, right? They're, they're pieces that are definitely needed. So just because I know my audience is a bit younger and these guys are coming up and everybody wants to be the, you know, the, the power play specialist and, and uh, the star forward, but you know, the, the sooner you can you can learn your identity as a player and just really love it and own it, especially in that two hundred foot capacity, like you can play almost anywhere. Isn't that true? That's totally true. And that's where like I'll go back to Tyson Jost on that. Like he came in almost every guy you have on your team in the NHL was their team's best player, leading scorer, power play, half wall guy, whatever it is, right? And Tyson was no difference. He came in, so you give him the opportunity. Those young guys come in, they make your team, and and you're going to give them every opportunity to see if if these guys can do it. Now, we've got some superstars on our team, right? So the first power play fills up, but Tyson Jost was a part of that for a year and a half. Then he went to the second power play, and our team gets better and better, and we get more skilled, and guys – guys that have just you know have, have made a career at, at putting pucks in the net and, and filling those roles and he kind of gets pushed down the lineup a little bit well, what does he do he doesn't sulk or, or or start whining or complaining about it he just wants to know what what can i do to help our team win next thing you know he's third line center killing penalties like doing all the things just and really paying attention to it like coming in for video and looking at the defensive side of the game and still like working on his offensive output. I mean, and that's what you have to do. You got to, you got to be adding tools to your toolbox because your roster changes every year. And yeah, some guys keep doing the same thing year after year, but sometimes, you know, you get additions in and, and, and you just don't slot right in where you thought you might or where you have your whole life. So now it's, there's a learning curve there, you know, um, players have to do that. And I mean, we have a lot of guys that can play the power play, but at the end of the day, there's only 10 spots and, and five of those spots are only seeing 30 seconds for each, for each power play. You know what I mean? So that's where the points come. So you got to try and uh, make sure your, your, the rest of your game is solid. And that for me starts with the defending details and, and your, and your commitment to check. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that adaptability is definitely a skill as a player. Not everyone's willing to do it. Um, and I think, you I mean, I didn't want the, I, I will take it this direction just for a second because it's, it's so part of like my platform and what I talk about. But that, that idea that Tyson Yost was like, I think he was 10th overall his year, right? And he was definitely the BCHL's leading scorer that year, um, putting the puck in the net. So when the Colorado drafted him in that position, I doubt the projection was third line penalty kill center, right? I mean, they, they probably saw maybe some or hoped of maybe a little more upside. Um, now, sometimes guys can do it and they haven't give, been given the opportunity. You said he was given the opportunity there, but then some other guys came in. Like, do you think that this transition might allow Tyson to evolve a little bit more in, in, in a different role with Minnesota? Oh, I certainly think so. Yeah, I, I think that can happen. You know, guys mature like Tyson's a way better player now than when he came in for us, uh, you know, and our team has just gotten um so much better than when my first year and and Tyson's first year when he came in it's just you know we added veteran players that are really good at what they do and like guys like Nazem Kadri comes in right Burakovsky like these guys come in and and they put the puck in the net on a consistent basis and then you you, then we're drafting other guys like we have new hook in here now and he was kind of you know the same thing you know he's been the best player on every team he's played on and 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 here he is now playing with us so it's just it's the way the game goes you know and that's why you have to 
you know, one team you could play one role and, and, and then you'd be given an opportunity someplace else and, and flourish in that role. You, you just never know. We certainly wish the, wish the best for him. He gave us five really good years here. And, and like I said, he's a great teammate. Um, we were, I think for us, it was filling a need. I hate to see him go, but filling a need, you know, for a big, strong fourth line center that, that, is is really dialed into the checking aspect of it, penalty kill aspect of it is is valuable for us. All right. Um, oh, just briefly on the trade deadline, what type of communication? And I imagine it's different in every organization, so you can only speak to the one you're in. Uh, but as far as filling, addressing those needs and then filling them, is that something that you're in a conversation with with Joe, or is Joe doing that in his own? Or what 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 is that? What does that look like uh, behind the scenes there? Come deadline day. Yeah, when you're talking all year long on what you're seeing from your players, what you know, what you think you need, who's playing well in this role, who's playing well in that role, hey, why don't you try this here? Like, we're open to all the feedback and input we can get in case there's something that we haven't thought of. So you, you, you get to the point to the trade deadline, you're really seeing your team the same way. You know, Joe, myself, the other coaches and, and management team, we all kind of know what we have and what maybe we can need. Um, and so they'll be doing all their work behind the scenes. And, and for us, they'll, they'll call down and, and ask if we have time over the next couple of days, take a look at some video on, you know, Lekin, watch some of his games. And then our assistant coaches will watch games. I'll watch games. We'll all kind of put our feedback in what we think we're getting out of, out of Lekkonen if that's something that comes our way. And that's all of our input. Like, we don't go say, hey, go get this guy or that guy. You know, like, we have some conversations in fun and, and that around the room. It would be nice to have this guy heard he's on the market. But there is there is – when they sort of identify guys that they think could be a possibility to be moved – uh, they'll ask us to watch them. You know, we'll watch a lot of guys some years, and other years it might just be two or three guys. You know, yeah. um, because they're, if they're on the move, it's you know, then they have to make their decisions on what's the price tag to get them and what's it going to cost us and and where do we. But I think Joe is really open. He doesn't want to go get a guy if you know if I'm not going to use him the way that he thinks he should be used, or, or you know. So we we like to get on the same page there first. So when we're getting a guy. You know, we've already talked about how we can use him and how he can help and who he can play with and who he can match up against kind of thing. Right. Um, so you mentioned Nazem Kadri. Maybe we'll talk about him for a second because he's having a career year. I mean, I don't even know where he is right now, but he was top five in the NHL for a while. I didn't look before we got on the podcast, and and I have watched him a few times this year, and he, he like he looks different to me too. Like he's just he's playing he's playing with a different level of poise that, than I've seen out of him. Um, what do you think has been the biggest transition for him this year? What do you see for the growth in his game? I think uh, honestly, I think it's the consistent consistency in his like. Um, I don't want to say compete level, but in his, like he, he, he has to play, Naz has to play with a certain amount of, of grit and determination, right? Um, he is what I consider as skilled as he is. He's, he's a power forward, you know, and when he's skating and he's determined and he's competitive and um, he's checking the right way um, and he's in, in dialed in like that, his offensive game just takes care of itself, 
you know, and like so many players, I think if you go and just try to skill your way through a game, it doesn't, it doesn't work out as successfully as, as if you're, you're out there playing hard, playing for keeps. And we've seen flashes of it from Naz. Naz has been a good player for us for a couple of years, but this year he's elite, you know, he's, I think he's leading our team in scoring right now with 76 or 77 points. And um, it's far and above a career year for him. And he just keeps, I mean, he just keeps playing the same way. It's like every night I know exactly what to expect from him. Every once in a while, like any player, you're going to have a bad night, but it's just right back to, to um, really determined hockey. And, and, and then his skill is just shining through, you know, That's and cool. he's finding a way to put the puck in that gets us a big goal last night to get us within one again. And, and, you know, we have a couple chances to tie it and we just didn't get it done, but he's, he's, he's a guy that I really rely on this year heavily in a bunch of different areas. Yeah, and that's probably, I, I find, and I don't know if you find that too, but those types of players that have to find that line, um, and especially when they're having success offensively, like their identity can waver even, right? Because then they, they, they can think that they are somebody that they're not, meaning maybe he falls away from the grit aspect a little bit, right? And that competitive nature because he thinks he's more of a perimeter player or whatever. I'm just using, yeah, I'm just yeah. using words, right? Because you're producing points. So, you, you, I mean, you kind of feel like, oh, this is how I'm going to do it. And you forget what actually got you there in the first place. I don't know if uh, if that is where he wavers sometimes, but he, he's definitely a competitor. And, and maybe that's a good bridge to get to, to uh, Nathan because, you know, we all know Naz has had some issues in the playoffs because he is such a competitor and has got himself into trouble. Um, this year, we haven't really seen that out of him. Yet with Nathan, there's been a couple scenarios where maybe a little bit out of character for him. And you know, last night, I mentioned before we got on, he took that that little cross-check on Hughes there, kind of, um, you know, ended up going to the box, didn't hurt you guys. But I've seen more of that out of Nathan this year. Do you do you like that competitive fire with him? Or do you think that's something that he's got to watch out a little bit more? Or, or how, how are you feeling that's rolling with him? You know what, for me, as long as, it, so I didn't like the penalty last night. Like no coach wants to go down and be sh shorthanded and, and give, you know, the other team's best players the opportunity to come on the ice. So retaliatory penalties or, or you know, taking shots at guys when the game is, is really close is not a recipe for success. But for me, like, he he is a he is highly competitive physical player hard to play against in all aspects and i love the fire in, in players like i want them to be you know i want them to walk the line of taking penalties but i want them to play with passion i think the game has to be played with passion same thing with naz like naz takes a penalty in in um the st louis and it's a bad hit it's a timing thing it's right in the scoring area he's finishing a check and he gets a suspension that really hurt us but he he had played you know a whole year without doing anything that like it's not like he's doing it all the time for us anyway we talked about it when he first got here we haven't talked about it since you know he that's one instance one split puts split second decision and he made the wrong one and he caught uh, fall kai and he gets suspended for it but it hurt us as a team and he was aware of it um i would love to have him playing and that's a big big change big hole to to fill when you lose your number two center and against a series with vegas with the depth that they have right so um and nathan same thing i want him to play with passion i want him to be fiery i want him to to be physical i want him to like hand out more than he than he takes you know when it comes to the physicality and the hits and the and everything else i i think that's what makes him good you know like that's what makes him 
a top player in the world because he is so competitive and he hates to lose. And, and I, I, I would rather have to try and tone a guy down a little bit than have to be sitting there trying to rev him up every night to get ready to compete at a level that it takes to have success. Yeah, it's a good problem to have for sure. And I, and I couldn't agree more with you as far as that competitive fire. You want to see that. And I suppose just from a bystander, even if I was just a fan, I or maybe even if I was his coach, like I, I would want a little bit more of the initiation instead of the retaliation. You know, yeah. that, that's where I try and try and sh- shove him a little bit because the last couple I've sort of seen him feels maybe like he's feeling a little bit like a victim. And I don't like players looking like that. You know, I want him just to be playing hard. Uh, but it was interesting because that thing with Matthews, when he got suspended too, like a lot of players were saying or a lot of pundits were saying, that was the best thing he could have done. You know, he finally responded and stuck up stuck up for himself. Maybe that was something that he needed to do. So anyways, I don't I don't see Nate playing a nightly basis. I don't see how many liberties guys are taking against him. Sometimes you do have to stand up for yourself. It's just the way it is, right? Because maybe nobody else is doing it for him. But. Just want to take a short break, uh, and this break is brought to you by Verbero.com. Verbero is your one-stop shop for online hockey products. Uh, Verbero makes top-quality equipment and, uh, and apparel and also sticks, which is one of my personal favorite products from Verbero and was one of the big reasons why I became an ambassador for the brand. Uh, I use them myself. I've used it for a year. The stick is light. The stick is well-balanced. The stick is durable. Um, and it is right up there, if not better, than all the top-line sticks on the market today. Uh, yet you get them at a, at a discount. One of the things I'm most excited about is they just released their youth, junior, and intermediate uh, brands. They used to only have it in the senior models, but now they bring it down into flexes all the way down to a 15 flex. Um, 15, 25, 35, 45 is how they do their flex, uh, their flex patterns. They have all the traditional curves that you would find in a Bauer or a CCM. And, uh, and again, you're going to get a top quality stick at a discounted price, especially right now when they have their buy two or buy three, uh, and get 15 to 20% off. Uh, for listening today, you get an additional 5% off from me uh, with the promo code PADOLAN. So if you use P-O-D-O-L-L-A-N when you order your Verbero stick, uh, you will get an extra 5%. You'll actually get a 5% off anything that you purchase in the online store if you if you purchase PADOLAN. So if you want to get back to the podcast, if you appreciate the podcast, and if you also have a hockey player that wants good equipment or or needs a new stick, uh, Verbero is the place to go. That's V-E-R-B-E-R-O. Uh, .com or .ca. I will put the link in my show notes. But uh, very good brand. Uh, you will be you will be more than happy with the product that you get. Now back to the episode with Jared Bedner. Um, I I want I know you're pressed for time here, so I want to definitely talk about Kale McCarr because I heard one of your broadcasters the other day on the NHL Network call him the best player in the National Hockey League, um, which. I mean, it just kind of struck me. And then I was like, yeah, maybe he is actually, you know, like yeah. um, to, to have him be, be put in, in that line, like with that, with that type of subtitle, is, is that something that you think um, he's, is he there yet or can he be there? Yeah, I think he can. If he's, I mean, you can make an argument for it right now this season. I mean, it's really tough to compare a, an elite defenseman to a guy that's ripping in 40, 
plus goals a year or the you know guys putting up 100 points that are playing a great two-way game i don't know how you compare them it's really impossible um but the growth in his game and the time that he's been here the the weight that he sort of takes on within our group and and how much pressure he puts on himself and people around him put on him to have success and help lead our team to success is it's incredible and he's a young player um and he's such a humble uh just hard-working, quiet, determined competitor. And and then to see him sort of have the success he's had this year, like I've been in awe of him in a lot of different ways for a couple of years. And all of a sudden this year, he just takes it to a whole new level, a little bit like, like Kadri. But I think he's in the process of still feeling out like who he's playing against, what he can do. And, and I mean, he has nights where it's just like you're just standing there going, wow, that was great, <laughs> you know, and yeah. and scoring big goals. I mean, I think he's got, I think he has 22, 20 plus, 22 goals already. I mean, you just don't hear of defensemen putting up those kind of numbers. And so the growth in his game for us was, you know, you take a look at Hedman leads his team in power play ice time, penalty kill ice time, five on five ice time. And we're like, you know what? That's where you got to go. You got to have to start killing penalties. It was tough for Kale, I think, when he first came in in the league and he's a go, go, go guy that, that like 20 minutes was a push for him. You know, I felt like you could see a little drop off in his game at 19, 20 minutes. And the next year it was 22, 23 minutes. Now he's consistently playing 25, 26, 27. And I think that's what, that's what good players do. They learn to let the game come to him a little bit more. If there's nothing happening, then pick your spots. And then, and he's still go, 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 but he's just now, you know, he's maturing it, you know, his body and, and training and, and it, you know, that and now he's killing penalties for us. His physicality in his game is ramped up. Um, the defending details are improving. Like he's becoming a really, really good all around defenseman. He's just not a guy that runs our power play and is, 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 a, is dynamic and, and can score and pass. Like he, he's the full package. Yeah, he's uh, he's just fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I could imagine that group that you have. Like, it'd be hard not to get caught up and just be a fan at moments, right? Like you said, like, wow, that was good. You know, like there's so there's so much stuff that's going on out there that you're like, wow, that's good. It's just fun to watch when you have that much talent in front of you, and and also you get to see the growth of them as humans and as players. I, I imagine too. You know, is uh, for Kale. I mean, he, he was heralded as as you know this offensive genius. I mean, his edges are ridiculous. I've never really seen a guy move the way he moves like the the angles he can attack at and change from and so quickly is 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 beyond impressive um but yeah i i I was trying to critique him but it seems like he knows his way around his own end real well too but has that been the the biggest growth of his game like to to figure out that that side of the puck yeah i think it is you know because i mean guys i mean throughout teams lineups they're hard to play against like there's teams that they do not want to give up the puck in the offensive zone they'll protect it counter flow it drive it low and kick it high and then try to beat you off the boards to the net like as a defender that forward or d that's hard to play against like it seems that they get fancy and throw hope plays into the middle that you're knocking down because you're in good coverage and you're just following guys around the ice or sitting in your team structure that's easier to play against you know so when you play teams that 
really want to come after you and make you work to defend. And I think that that was probably the the game plan of a lot of teams playing us. They force them to defend. If you don't want to have to defend them on the rush and in offense zone, then let's force them to defend more. So we're going to take care of the puck, right? So we have to understand that as a team, and, and, and KL has to understand that as a defenseman. The better you are there, the more explosive you are down low at separating guys from the puck and grabbing it, and your line mates are. The, the more you're going to go play offense, and and that's in the reality of it. That's what that's why his numbers are growing too. You know, our team's getting better at doing that, and we're getting to play offense more. So we're we're getting better at our breakouts, better at our D zone. You know, all the checking aspects, which kind of gets you the puck more and, and allows you to go play to your strengths. But you have to be committed to that other side of it, or or you're just not going to get to play offense as much as you want. Yeah. And he's, and he's, I think that he's shown that he can take the abuse. I mean, because the other thing, like you said, I mean, how are you going to stop the Colorado Avalanche? Well, one of the ways is, well, let's try and stop Kale McCarr, right? Like, let's not want him to want the puck or let's, let's relieve him of the puck. And, and a lot of times, as you know, in playoffs, it's when you get heavy and he gets more physical. But I've seen him take hits and I've seen him obviously evade a ton of them too because he's such a great skater. But I don't see him shying away from any type no. of physical competitiveness at all, which I think is kind of the most impressive. Because a lot of times those guys, as you, as we both know, the offensive guys maybe – you know that that that's where they don't want to get their elbows uh, any holes in their jerseys, right? But I, I don't see that from him at all. No, not at all. He is, I mean, his skating is is clearly his best asset, right? So, I mean, when you have a guy that's his size that can skate the way he can, he is solid. <laughs> like he reverse hits guys, he catches guys they might not be expecting because his ability just to strike on you and take the puck right without contact. And yeah. sometimes he does, you know, it's his read. Do I, can I just swipe on it and take it and, and get going the other way with my speed? Or is this a, a chance to get a lick on someone like he, he'll dish it out and he'll take it. And, he'll, and if you're not ready when you're coming to hit him, he'll, he'll catch you with a reverse hit and get going the other way. And, you know, that I think that's what the great players, I get, you know, another defenseman that really has impressed me. And we saw him a couple of times is that Mo Sider in, in Detroit. And he just reverse hit a guy that was coming in. I mean, the guy was coming all the way across ice and in, right in the hit zone at the red line when he's carrying it to the red, trying to get a, a big lick on him. And he just throws his shoulder into him. And the guy went flying. Like the, the guys that can skate and play and that are intelligent like that, like, like Kale and, and, and Sider, I, I mean, <laughs> they're hard to play against. It's not an easy game. Yeah, that Mo's a big boy. He's going to be a good one for sure. What is Kale Way these days? Like, I know the hockey card is never is never a true indicator, but what's he playing at right now? Oh, I think he's two hundred. He's two hundred plus. Yeah, yeah. he's filled Fit. out then. But yeah, he's um, strong. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I mean, I uh, I know you got to go pick up uh, pick up the daughter there, so I'll let I'll let you run, um, Betsy. But uh, of course, all the best if we don't talk before the playoffs start. Um, you, your team is very entertaining to watch, and it's uh, it's awesome to see their growth. And you know that I wish nothing but the best for you guys. I'll be rooting for you guys going forward. Thanks, Podsy. Appreciate you having me on again. Great, always great. You know, catching up with you and chatting. Fantastic, partner. Good luck. Yep. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of Up My Hockey. 
anytime you have a head coach of any NHL team, for that matter, it is it is very humbling, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but when you actually have on the head coach of the best team in the National Hockey League, uh, that even uh, is more reason to be grateful. So, uh, loves Jared's approach. Uh, it's such a, he's such an easy guy to have a conversation with. Uh, I know he'd be phenomenal to play for. I, I love his style of communication. Uh, very open with why he has these high standards and what he wants from his players because sometimes a good head coach will see things that the players themselves don't even see uh, and you create these standards and you create uh, these these envelopes for these players to step into and that's what he's done there with the Colorado Avalanche you see people growing uh, on a yearly basis and even on a monthly basis like the growth of Kale McCarr and the growth of uh, of even the stars like you know Nathan McKinnon and Gab Landeskog and, and Ranton and uh, these players are rounding out their games. They're superstars in the NHL, but they're becoming great at every aspect of the game. And when this team is, has come together in the way it has, it really is a juggernaut. It's uh, it's tough to not appreciate the product they put on the ice. So um, I wish nothing but the best for the Colorado Avalanche and Jared Bender and Nolan Pratt and the rest of the st- coaching staff there. Um, and Joe Sackick and the team he's put together. It's a really fun product to watch on the ice. Uh, they're a competitive group, play with a high level of skill and a high level of speed. Uh, and if and if you're uh, not a Colorado Avalanche fan, uh, you might as well watch some of the hockey anyways because the style of game they play, uh, it's impossible not to be a fan of that. So all the best to the Colorado Avalanche. I hope that they uh, they do get out of the West and make a deep, deep run. Uh, I would love to see them get to a Stanley Cup final, and I would love to see Jared Bender with a ring on his finger uh, and all those other players there that have uh, that have been battling so hard for the last few years now. Uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, thanks for listening to the end. Until next time, play hard and keep your head up.